Greetings, everyone. I'm Brother Don Cullen. It's my privilege to share with you tonight the Word of God. Greetings to those who are watching online. Hope you can join us again in the future. Thanks for tuning in. So, uh, last time, last time, last episode, I shared about building our Christian lives like a house built upon the rock. And what builds that house or your life upon the rock is obedience to Jesus. We're going to go back there briefly, and then we're going to start there, and then we're going to get into uh, the beginning of a short series, but a series nonetheless, on the makings of a disciple. The Lord really got my attention this past week about discipleship and what it is to be a disciple. It's one of those words, again, that you just say, oh, disciple, I know what that is, but then When you dig into it a bit, there's always life in the Word of God, so I pray that's the case. Let's go to Matthew 7, chapter 7, verse 21, to start out, please. Matthew 7, 21. I'm going to refer to this scripture a bunch of times tonight, so we might as well read it in entirety. Matthew 7, 21. It says here in Matthew 7, 21, not, Jesus is Jesus speaking here, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness." Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall." May the Lord add the increase to his word. So I talked about last time that our actual obedience to the Father is what separates those who say, Lord, Lord, to whom Jesus says, I never knew you, depart from me, which is, you know, those are very strong words. That differentiates those who are his, from those who are his actual disciples. The Lord, Lord group could also be those who identify as Christians, using the terminology of our day, right, who consider themselves Christians, let's say, or who are nominal Christians, Christians in name only, from those who are actual followers and disciples of Jesus. And we're going to look at that tendency to name the name of Christ in our society a bit later in this message. You know, people who call themselves Christians are supposed to be actually disciples of Jesus, Do you realize that that is the origin of the word Christian? Discipleship and being disciples came before Christian, before the word Christian. And that is the way it should continue to be. But now Christians have gotten it backwards. And that's very interesting to me. Let's turn to Acts 11.26. And we'll see this in the scriptures, what I just described to you. Acts 11.26 this is, this is a little brief passage about Paul. Acts eleven twenty six. In verse 26 it says, And when he had found him, which is Paul, he brought him to Antioch, 
So it was that for a whole year, they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So when Paul went to Antioch, he assembled with the church and he taught a great many people. Paul was fulfilling the Great Commission. He was teaching a great many people. And the result of his teaching and preaching, disciples were first here called Christians, which means adherents or followers of Christ. It was clear from these folks' actions that they were disciples of Jesus because they were being like imitators of Christ. The disciples were associated with Christ because they were doing the things that followers of Jesus should be doing. They were practicing the teachings of Jesus, and so they were considered his followers. Interestingly, it appears that this was a name that was given to disciples of Jesus by others who recognized that these people were followers of Jesus. And it is not a name that the disciples gave to themselves. They didn't call themselves Christians. Nowhere else in the Bible does the name Christians appear. Interestingly, right? The early church did not call themselves Christians. They were disciples of Jesus. And that makes me go, hmm, maybe today we who are following Jesus should perhaps abandon the term Christians. I speak boldly. I speak boldly. And say instead that I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. Because people today who are saying they're Christians are not disciples of Jesus. So maybe the people that are disciples of Jesus should start saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. And let the person say, oh, I'm a Christian. And then you could say to them as a transition in your conversation, can you explain that to me, that you're a follower of Jesus? What does that mean to you? You know, sometimes the church has to be radical to get people's attention. And you're going to see that later on as I, as I uh, get into the statistics on people that identify as Christians in our world today. We see the opposite phenomena from what this account in Acts is today. People widely call themselves Christians today, but many of which are absent the qualities of disciples. And that makes me think. That makes me think. Maybe we who are working so hard at being disciples of Jesus should work so hard at it that people would say, oh, you're a Christian. Oh, I never said I was a Christian. Yeah, but I can see you're following Jesus. Interesting. Now let's go to Matthew 28:19. As I said, this is a message about discipleship and being a disciple of Jesus. I'm not saying you shouldn't say that you're a Christian. I'm just saying sometimes you have to be a little radical in dealing with people when they are considering themselves Christians with no outward evidence that they are Christians. See, that word is being misused. Matthew 28, 19. Jesus' command, the Great Commission we call it, he said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." So this is, as I said, the Great Commission. And the Great Commission involves making disciples for Jesus and teaching them to observe or obey all things that Jesus taught us. Being doers, being disciples of Jesus, and teaching others to be disciples is important stuff. It's actually the most important stuff. 
And this will be another mark of disciples that we will get into in this series. Disciples make other disciples. That's part of being a disciple, is we make other disciples. If our primary call is to make disciples, as indicated in the Great Commission, we better be disciples ourselves first. Right? We better know from the Scriptures what we are teaching people to be. And I think we have a feeling for that, generally speaking. But let's go back to Matthew 7. So if there are those who say the name Lord a lot, but don't make it into heaven, and there are others who do make it into heaven, who are actually just obedient, notice that Jesus, regarding that second group, he doesn't say what they say, he only says what they do. The second group are the doers of the word, not the ones who just verbalize it. So we're going to dive into the Bible on some of the basic teachings on being a disciple of Jesus, so we might better be disciples of Jesus. It's possible to live the Christian life and at times lose sight of the fact that we are, first and foremost, followers of Jesus. We can lose sight of that. So in that vein, I want to really remind and instruct by the grace of God. And I've, um, for my study, I identified at least 10 to 12 distinguishing characteristics of being a disciple of Jesus. And I'm just going to go over a few of them tonight. You're like, oh, good, thank goodness. Just a few. I think we're going to touch on four. So let's start with the word for disciple in the Greek. That's always a good place to start, right, with a definition. So literally in the Greek, it means a learner. A learner. And it comes from a root word, which, which means, and I like this meaning, the root word means indicating thought accompanied by endeavor. So a disciple was not only a pupil, not only someone who sits in a classroom, but an adherent, someone who gets the thought and then works at the thought. And I, very, I like that very simple thought contained in the Vine's analysis. Thought accompanied by endeavor. So we listen, we think about it, and then we endeavor to do it. And that's what we're doing tonight in this message, hopefully. We're going to listen to this message, we're going to think about it, and then we're going to go do it. And that's part of being a disciple. Tonight, we can practice being a disciple by listening to a message on being a disciple, thinking about it, and then endeavoring to be a disciple. We can apply the Word of God during the week. Hallelujah. And of course, being a disciple involves a teacher. And in the case of the Christian disciple, that teacher is ultimately Jesus, the Word of God. The Word of God, Jesus, is the one that we share so that we, you might become a follower of Jesus. You know, not the person speaking. When we share Jesus' words from the Holy Bible, it is actually Jesus who is speaking when we read his word. You know, the preachers, myself included and especially, we're just crude vessels, you know, crude vessels that the word passes through. That's why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, he said, and he named some great guys here, so if it's true of these guys, it's really true of this guy, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? But when we listen to the Word of God, it's still Jesus who's the teacher, right? We're sitting at Jesus' feet when we listen to the Word of God, though he uses people in speaking roles in the church for the edification of the body. Don't get, get hung up on, it's little old me speaking about discipleship. It's Jesus speaking through me, through his Word, 
And he's speaking to the speaker as well with his word. It's Jesus, the word of God, God's son that we are following, that we are listening for. It's Jesus that is the teacher. So we must listen to that word and then endeavor to follow it. In my last message, I talked about the importance of building our Christian lives in obedience to Jesus, which Jesus related to house construction on either a solid rock or on, on sand. You know, our spoken words alone, our declarations, do not anchor us to the rock. In the account from Matthew that I covered two weeks ago, the people were using the right words, right? They were calling him Lord, Lord, but they were not doing what the Lord told them to do. Words are fine. Words are good. I like words, but actions are better. Amen? And it is our actions that actually speak the loudest. You know, America today is full of Lord, Lord, self-identified Christians. But if you look at the, the body of, of people that identify as Christians in this country, the statistics from that group look a lot like the world. The, the, the divorce rates, the adultery rates, the pornography rates, the, the lying rates, the, the financial mess rates, and everything look a lot like the world. They look a lot like the world, and that's unfortunate. They should not if people are disciples of Jesus. And of course, I'm thankful that there are so many faithful Christians. Amen. I think our church is really full of faithful Christians. I'm grateful for that. And there's many other faithful Christians in our community. And there's many other faithful, faithful Christians in our land and around the world. And I thank God for every one of them. But there's a, there's a skewing in our society towards what Jesus talked about, which is the Lord, Lord type of Christian. And these things are big problems in our churches today because people are not becoming disciples of Jesus. Churches and Christians have become products of our culture and not products of discipleship. The, the voice of our culture is a stronger voice in many churches today than the Word of God. And that's not, that's not right. We're supposed to be disciples of Jesus. The people in Matthew 7 that said, Lord, Lord, they found themselves in the final analysis to be built on sand, and their lives crumbled. They crumbled in this life, and they certainly crumbled on the day of judgment when Jesus said, depart from me. These people that he talks about were not true disciples of Jesus just because they said, Lord, Lord. They did not observe all things that I have commanded you. In the account we looked at, there were people that repeatedly used the name of the Lord and talked about Jesus as their master, but they did not actually obey him in the details of their life. And the words that came from Jesus, those were very strong words. They were, they were, shocking, they were shocking words. I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me. Wow. I don't want to be in that category. I really don't want to be in that category. So today, the name Christian, unfortunately, means almost nothing in today's world because the acts of, of people that name Christ are often so different from the acts of what a disciple would be. So that's why I want to dive into this a little bit. And I think this would even be handy when we're sharing with other people. You know, one of the things when we share with people, or we talk with people, we have to learn how to transition to talking about the meat of God or the, the substance of God's word. You know, sometimes you're talking to a person, oh, I'm a Christian too. And that's great. You could say, well, that's great. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you a follower of Jesus? Can you tell me a little bit about that? 
See what they say. See if they even know what that means. I'm always shocked in conversations with people when you transition to the pointed question of, can you tell me a little something about that? I was talking to a guy the other day, uh, chatting with him, actually online, and he said, uh, he told me uh, he was a Christian, and I said to him, well, can you, can you just briefly share with me your testimony? Why do, you need to, why do you need to know that? Well, this is a Christian site. There's a site that we talk about Christ on it. Oh, I don't, I don't want to talk about that. So, you know, once, you, once people are challenged a little bit, a lot of times, really, they crumble rather quickly. So, are you a follower of Jesus? Are you doing the things that a disciple of Jesus would do? And we're seeing in the church now, we're seeing in our church, we're seeing more and more uh, new believers. We're seeing people come to Christ, and that's a wonderful trend, isn't it? It's a, it's a, we're bearing fruit, praise God. You know, through prayer and witnessing and fellowshipping and working in small church groups, we're seeing really God's purpose being accomplished in our, in our midst. And I pray it's the beginning of something even bigger, and I trust it is. So I think knowing, uh, knowing the, the basics of discipleship is going to help us, and that's really why it's on my heart to get into this. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of a pastor. His name is Pastor Chip Ingram. He's on the radio. He has a church in California. He, I've listened to him many times, and he's a solid teacher of the Word of God. And I was reading his book, a very good book, called The Real God. Excellent book. Um, it studies seven attributes of God. Very solid. And in the book, he mentions over and over again the basic pattern of discipleship. The ba- basically, the, the format that you would follow. And you could, we could use this with any new Christian. And he calls it bio. Bio, B-I-O, which is the Greek word for life. So in other words, what does life in Christ look like? Very basic. I want to put this out there before we get into uh, a deeper study on discipleship. So bio, what does it mean? Well, the B stands for be in the Word of God and prayer every day. Great start, right? B, if you want to have life in Christ, break open this book every day. Every day, break open the Bible Pray to Jesus. Talk to Jesus. God's word is God talking to you. And prayer is you talking to God. And when God, when you pray, sometimes God will talk to you as well when you're praying. But what he says will always line up with his word, right? So the B is, be in the word of God and prayer. And then the I, what does the I stand for? Well, the I is in community. In community. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, we're going to see this throughout this series You need to be in the Word of God in prayer, and you need to be in community. That's what God called us to do, is to be in community. And then the O is on mission, you know? So it's not all about just receiving, right? We don't want to be Christians that just receive and receive and receive, though God gives us a lot. He gives us an awful lot. But we want to be on mission. We want to be in the Word and prayer and we want to be in community, and we want to be on mission. So that's what he uses as a basic overview of uh, the life of a Christian, right? The life of a Christian. Those are the things we should be doing. I think that's very, very solid. I think that's very good advice, and that's something we could share with a new believer in Christ. Jesus wants us in community because the Bible calls us sheep, right? And I've, I've talked about sheep as much as probably anybody has ever talked about sheep here. And as I've t- talked about before, a fact that I came across Looking at shepherds all across the world, all shepherds will say the same thing. Sheep do not do good. We are sheep. The Lord says we are sheep. No, I'm a lion. Jesus says you're a sheep. You could be a lion in your personal life, but when it comes to being a Christian, you're a sheep. And sheep do not do well alone. 
They do not do well alone. Uh, every shepherd will tell you, if you want to have a miserable sheep that will drive you insane, get one of them. Get one of them. You want to have two at least, they'll drive you insane. Three's better, the more the merrier. So that's why we got to be in community. Praise God. That's the way God made us. And that on mission part, well, we got to love others. We got to love others in the church. We got to love others on the outside. We got to be, we got to be witnessing. So anyway, one more caveat before I get into this a bit more. The other thing I want to say is, of course, this series cannot be totally comprehensive, right? Because for being a follower of Jesus, it's something we're discovering over the rest of our life. Every day is a new day with Jesus. I can't cover in two or three sermons all it is to be a disciple of Jesus, just like I couldn't, I couldn't help you get your, your PhD, I couldn't help you become a doctor, I couldn't help you become a lawyer or a plumber or anything else in two or three sermons. So these are just principles that the Lord gives us as young believers, as older believers, that we have to work at the rest of our lives until we reach the finish line, which is heaven. When you get to heaven, I don't think you're going to need to work on this anymore. But until then, we have to follow these principles, these very important principles that he laid out before us until we graduate and go to heaven. Whether, it's, whether you're a new Christian, if you're 50 years a Christian, I've been a Christian for 48 years. I need to practice these things. We all need to practice these things. So anyway, we already saw last time I shared this idea of naming Christ as Lord with actually, without actually allowing him to be Lord and Master. And that's a common problem in, in, our, in our day and age. Uh, Brother Brian has mentioned many times this gentleman uh, named George Barna, who owns the Barna Group. Uh, Brother Brian's often referred to his surveys. He has a company that surveys people, especially Christians. He keeps a pulse on Christians and churches and trends and problems. He has many books on many topics, on church demographics, on society, the role of the church. He's not only a leading pollster and trend spotter, but he's a very strong and mature Christian from everything I've seen him write. And he recently spoke about discipleship. Actually, while I was studying about discipleship, this article appeared in the Christian Post about discipleship, and it's specifically his comments. So here's some data for you. Specifically, Barna documented that there are, this is a few years old, but there's 174 million self-identified Christians in our country that constitutes 68% of the country. Brethren, from your experience, do you think that there are 174 million Christians in this country? (laughs) I mean, it's laughable, actually, right? But again, this is self-identified Christians. This goes back to my earlier point, the Lord Lord point. He says there, there are, from his studies, there are 90 million theologically defined born-again Christians that account for 35% of the population. Brethren, in your travels, do you think one in three people that you encounter are born, theologically sound born-again Christians? That has not been my experience. I wish it was that high. Um, how about, here's one I believe, 128 million Christians who believe in the existence of the God of Israel. Okay, I believe in that one. That's 50% of the population. 84 million people who go to a Christian church once a week. That's 33% of the population. I probably believe that one. Maybe. Uh, And 46 million self-identified Christians that are deeply committed to their faith 
and that adds up to 18% of the population. I'm not sure. It's probably a little bit high. But anyway, what Barna says is none of these things constitute what a disciple is. He says, I say, I say that taken broadly, everyone in the groups defined above have the potential to be the Lord, Lord type of believers that I talked about. It is what we do as disciples that separates us from self-proclaimed Christians. Barna also rejected the definition of a disciple as a good person, noting that all persons are sinners, all people are sinners. He rebutted the idea of a, a disciple as someone who believes in God, saying Satan believes in God as well. And he, uh, he reacting to the definition of a disciple as someone who attends church, he emphasized that Christians have an obligation to be the church rather than go to church, which is what Brother Ben has been talking about, right? Being the church, loving one another. The relationship with the church, who are the people of the church, is a key part of discipleship, as we're going to see. Barna also pushed back on the idea that anyone with a Christian upbringing is a disciple, insisting that discipleship is not inherited. You know, we like to say in our church that God does not have any grandchildren, right? But he also does not have any grand disciples. There's no second and third generation disciples unless they are made disciples. And he actually mentioned that a great failing of Christian parents is to not teach their children how to be disciples of Jesus. They get their kids to call themselves Christians without knowing the actual principle of discipleship. So that's some interesting observations on the macro side. So the next characteristic that I want to cover with you of disciples is, we already covered really, which is the first characteristic of a disciple is we have to listen, right? If there's a teacher, the first characteristic is you have to listen. If you don't listen, you can't be a disciple. When you run into people that won't listen to the word of God, until they are willing to listen to the word of God, they can't be a disciple of Jesus. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. That's the very first thing. If you're going to be a disciple, the definition is you have to listen and then attend to what is instructed. Now, the next thing is something I talked about last time. It's obedience. It's obedience to what Jesus says to do. Now, that's a huge topic in the Word of God. I can't cover it again in one, in one message or in a small portion of a message. But as disciples of Jesus, we study the Bible so that we might learn what Jesus' expectations are and then we try to apply those, right? That's what we're trying to do as Christians. We're trying to obey Jesus and what he says. And so I will say this, in simplicity, the one thing a disciple of Jesus will always do and always try to do is when faced with a circumstance and when faced with a situation, they will say, Jesus, what should I do? Or what does Jesus say I should do? That's fundamental to our decisions. You know, that years ago, there was that expression that went around, what would Jesus do, right? What would Jesus do? Well, that's not, you know, WWJD, WWJD. That's not all that bad, what would Jesus do? It's certainly a lot easier, easier than saying, what would a disciple of Jesus do, or whatever acronym that is, right? But that's really the question. If we're going to obey God, what would a disciple of Jesus do in this circumstance, in this circumstances, you're filing your taxes. What would a disciple of Jesus do in this circumstance? You're paying your tithes. What would a, a disciple of Jesus do in this circumstances? 
Someone's tempting you to boast. What would a disciple of Jesus do in that circumstance? That's always going to be a question of a disciple. First of all, to listen. Second of all, to obey. Every day, every moment. And of course, we all fail at that, right, brethren? We all fail. That's why we have grace. That's why we have God's mercy. You know, when you first come to Jesus, you might fail 50 times that you notice per day. Just keep going to Jesus. Keep going back to Jesus and repenting. Turning back to Jesus. His grace is bottomless for you. He will continue to forgive you as long as you keep coming back to him. Maybe a a year later, you're only messing up 30 times a day. Maybe 10 years later, 10 times a day that you notice. It's probably much higher than that. But thank God, we have the grace of God. We have the forgiveness of Jesus. We're trying to obey him. If we fall, we pick ourselves up and we keep going. You know, I think it was D.L. Moody that said, the distinguishing factor of a Christian and a non-Christian is this. The Christian is like a sheep. And the non-Christian is like a pig. When the pig and the sheep are going down the road and the pig falls into the muddy short, you know, the muddy culvert of the road, the pig, that feels good on his skin. He stays right there. The sheep, he falls in the culvert. He jumps right back up. He shakes himself off and he runs away. Why? Because the sheep has a different nature than the pig. The pig wants to stay down in the mud and wallow. The Christian that with a new birth, the sheep, they want to get out of the mud. So they shake themselves off, they go find the shepherd, and the shepherd takes away the clunks of mud off their fur and cleans them up. Amen? And that's what we got to do when we fail. we got to go back to Jesus. Let's go to 1 John 2.3. 1 John 2.3, please. And obedience to Jesus and trying to obey Jesus is evidence that you know him, the Bible says. When you don't know Jesus, you're not even trying to obey him. But when you know Jesus, you want to start to please him. Because he's so good. Hallelujah. 1 John 2, 3. First John 2, 3 says, Now by this, we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. You know, John essentially restates what Jesus said in Matthew 7 in this verse, doesn't he? He says here, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. If we say we know him, but we don't keep his commandments, we're not telling the truth. We're not telling the truth. If, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you're going to give thought to what he says and then endeavor, endeavor to, be, to obey him. And when you mess up, like I said, you go back to Jesus over and over again. Every day we go back to Jesus for forgiveness. One of the things I notice when Jesus talks about being his disciple is he routinely puts in the benefit of discipleship. He puts it in right with the requirement of discipleship. And I think that's very kind of Jesus, right, to remind us of what the benefits are. You know, in the case of obedience, remember when we covered that, the benefit of obedience is when the trials of life come, because you're built on the rock, he gives you the wherewithal to get through that trial. Praise God for that. So there's a benefit to being obedient to Jesus. We're building our life on a rock, and that's a blessing. And he does that repeatedly because, you know, when you're a disciple, it's going to cost you something. Jesus knows it's going to cost you something. 
We're going to talk about that a little bit more. But if it's going to cost you something, he wants you to know that whatever it is you're giving up, you're getting back more than what you're giving up. I truly believe that from experience. Now, the third characteristic, and this is an important one I want to stay on a little bit tonight, is the third principle of being a disciple is called sticking around. Sticking around. Jesus said some stuff when he spoke to people about not sticking around. So let's go, let's go to Luke 9.62. Let's see, let's see 9.62, what Jesus said about sticking around. In Luke 9.62, Jesus said to him, No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. So right there, Jesus is saying, it's possible to put your hand to the plow and then look back. Jesus said, if you look back, if you turn back, you're not going to be fit for the kingdom of God. In John 6, 66, you don't got to turn there. Jesus had said some, some things that troubled his disciples, some of his disciples. And it says in John 6, 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Jesus said something they didn't like. And they stopped following Jesus. Well, that's not good. That's not good. You know, in the parable of the sower, where it talks about Jesus, where the sower, the sower went out to sow, he said some of the seed fell on, on ground that didn't have much depth, but it sprung up at first, and it did great at first. But then when adversity came, when the heat of the day came, it wilted. And it didn't last long enough to bear fruit. So this is what Jesus is looking for in his disciples not quitting, not stopping, not springing up and then collapsing. Let's see what Jesus said about sticking around. John 8.31, let's go there. If, if you remember nothing else tonight other than this principle, I pray that the principle of sticking around will stick with you. It's a very important part of being a disciple of Jesus. John 8.31. John 8.31. we got to stick around. It says in John 8.31, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So Jesus warns us here against breaking off from being his disciple. And the mark of a true disciple is to abide in Jesus. Jesus is looking for disciples that stick around and that go on to bear fruit in their lives. I remember hearing a pastor from an inner city church who worked with a lot of poor people and people that struggle with all kinds of you know, family problems, societal problems, poverty, welfare, unemployment, emotional struggles, addictions, all kinds of baggage he had in his inner city church in a poor neighborhood. And I paraphrase what that pastor said, but I remember it stuck with me all these years. He said this, God can do wonders for you. God can change things for you. God can improve your situation and even give you blessings, but you have to stick around. You got to stick around. That's what you need to do. Stick around and then God can do what he wants to do in your life. And like I said, if nothing else sticks with you tonight, sticking around, I pray it sticks with you. 
Don't be a moving target for God. Stay in one place in a body of believers. Let God work on you and on your behalf in community. How many of you can say amen? Amen. If you look around, God has done a work in so many lives here. In so many lives, myself included. And the reason why he did a work in so many lives here and blessed so many people is they stuck around. They stuck around. Even through trials, they stuck around. And then God had his way. God did his thing. Hallelujah. If you stick around, you're going to experience this verse in your life. Let's go there. Exodus 14. If you stick around, God's going to do this for you. Exodus 14, verse 13. I have seen this hundreds, if not thousands of times. This verse in action. Exodus 14, 13. The Israelites had come out of Egypt. They were up against the Red Sea. The Egyptians were on their heels. The chariots were bearing down. Exodus 14, 13. And Moses said to the people, Do not be be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Hallelujah. And the Egyptians speak of our old life and our bondage to sin. You know, God delivers us from our past. He delivers us from our Egypt. And if we stand still in the place where he has put us, you will see that past no more. And he has removed it as far as the east is from the west. Those Egyptians you will see no more forever. And that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning of what God's going to do for you. It's a new beginning in your life. And now you become a follower of Jesus. That advice of the Bible, don't be afraid, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Paul wrote in the New Testament, having done all to stand. Stick with Jesus, my brethren. Stick with Jesus in the church. With Jesus, but also with your brothers and sisters in Christ. What's going to happen in your life? All of the good is going to happen because you're going to stick around. Because you're standing in the place that God has set you. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You know, the word abide here, it means to dwell with, to continue in. It means to stick around. Great things can happen if you stick around. And here is one of the great great blessings of sticking around. It's a promise along with that. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. You shall know the truth. You know, one of the great things about sticking around is that you're going to learn the truth. This world is full of lies. The world today is full of great deception. There's enormous lies that are circulated all across the world. And people, people, will, people will lie to you. Uh, media outlets will lie to you. Governments will lie to you. Politicians, well, of course, we know they lie to us. That's a, that's a given. But in the church, you're going to hear, you're going to hear a high amount of truth. You're going to hear, in the church, you're almost never going to hear lies. Now, could there be someone telling a lie in the church? There could be. But basically, the church is full of truth. Isn't that awesome? I mean, I'm sharing with you tonight the truth of God's Word. Your brothers and sisters in Christ, they're going to share the truth with you. This is a wonderful thing. Out there in the world, you don't know if someone's lying to you, but in the church, we got the truth. Praise God. Out in the world right now, the devil is working on preparing the world for the Antichrist. 
And in the church, Jesus is preparing the church for his return. That's what he's doing. So as you get to know the truth of God, the truth will set you free. You know, what does that mean? Well, this is what it means to me. As I get to know the truth, and the truth is God, as I get to know more about his qualities, about how good he is, as I experience his holiness and his goodness and his justice and his mercy and his love, and that he cares for me, as I learn this truth, it sets me free. It sets me free from worries. It sets me free from depression. It sets me free from fear. The more I know the Lord, the less any of those things affect me. The truth is setting me free, and I praise God for that. It's really mind-blowing, and it's, it's a great joy in the Christian experience to know Jesus more and more each day. It's my great joy is to get to know him more every single day. He is so good. He is so truthful, and that truth will set us free as we know his character and what he's like. How many of you can say amen to that? As you get to know Jesus, the burdens of addictions, depressions, loneliness, the burdens of heartbreak, of feeling lost, of feeling down, it goes away. We see how much God loves us as he reveals himself to us. And I thank God for that. The truth will set you free if you stick around. If you still stand still, having done all, just stand, just stand. Sometimes all you got to do is stand. God wants you to stand. God wants you to stand. What does stand mean? It means don't move. It means don't go forward or backwards. Wait on the Lord. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Young Christian, old Christian, this doesn't change. This will always be the case. We always need to stick around. Praise God. We need to stick around. Praise God. I'm going to cover one more tonight, one more point of being a disciple. So far we've covered, these are very basic things. I know they're sort of obvious, even though I expound at length on them, or ad nauseum, you might say. But anyway, um, listening, obeying, sticking around, and another part of being a disciple is denying self. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, no, not news to most of you, we're going to have to deny ourselves. Let's go there. Luke 9.23. Let's go to Luke 9.23. This is my final point of the night. Luke 9.23. This is Jesus speaking. He said, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You know, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, part of that is not getting what you want to do all the time. But instead, denying yourself. Denying your desires, putting putting your desires behind Jesus' desires for you, putting your the thing you want most on a back burner. As Brother Ben recently talked about, love involves submission to others, and submission to others involves love. And so you deny yourself. Obedience to Jesus is often denying self. Sticking around in a body of believers is often denying self. So many in our body today are denying themselves and serving others, and it is their blessing to do so. 
to be useful to the master. It's my blessing to do so. It is in order to be useful to the master, we're going to have to often deny what we want to be doing instead. Right? That's what that's part of the package. If we want to please God. The Bible the Bible talks about taking up your cross, which speaks of taking up the means by which the selfish life is killed. Getting on the path each day that leads to the death of your own will, your own desires, giving those desires to God so that he can give you something better and more satisfying. It's not a one-time thing. It's a daily thing, right? Jesus said, take up your cross daily. But keep in mind, brethren, when we're denying ourselves, and I want to testify to this, when we are denying ourselves, God is a giver, not a taker. He is good all the time. His goodness and mercy follows us. There's no little thing that you can give up yourself, your desire, that God will not, in some way or another, honor and replace and reward you. 100% fact. I have seen this so many times. The Bible says, he that honors me, I will honor. God will honor those who honor him. And when we crucify self and we put self down, that's part of the package of being a disciple of Jesus. Sometimes we think our desires are the bomb.com, right? Oh, that's the bomb.com, people say. I've heard that expression. But actually, they end up being just plain old bombs, right? They just blow up on us. The thing you want the most, the thing that you chase the most, usually ends up being not as sweet as you first thought right? Oh, I want, that, I want that bigger yard over there, that bigger yard, the bigger house, right? And guess what? You get over there and the grass still needs to be cut, except it's even more grass and there's more weeds and everything else. Our desires, we put them first. God knows better. God knows best. He is sovereign. He is good. When we deny ourselves, he takes care of us. He takes care of ourselves. He takes care of us. Praise God. Hallelujah. But up front, it looks like a sacrifice. Up front, it's like, oh, I got to give up this desire. I always wanted to move to California and live on the beach and, you know, and, you know fish every day and, da, 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 you know, whatever. That's not my desire, but <laughs> I wouldn't choose California. Anyway, um, but, you know, we deny ourselves. We serve Jesus. God takes care of us. He's so much better than that. Praise God. So anyway, brethren, that's, that's a short word. But in summary, I just want to repeat this in summary. Disciples of Jesus... We need to be living a life of being in his word and in prayer, being in community, being on mission. And in every situation, we're his disciples if we're sitting at his feet and listening and asking, like Mary, and talking to Jesus and obeying Jesus in every situation. And we learn that in order to be his disciples, Jesus said himself, we got to abide in him. We got to continue. We got to stick around. And lastly, He's going to ask us to deny ourselves. But when he does, he's so good, he takes care of us, doesn't he? Praise God. So that's my short word. I'm going to continue the next time I share with the series. Like I said, I have about eight other points of discipleship. And I hope we can learn something in our own lives and also in discipling others. So I'll pray and dismiss you all. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it instructs us and shows us the way to go. Thank you for your instruction on discipleship, Jesus. Help us to be good disciples of discipleship. Help us to apply this word to our lives. Help us to 
show others how to be good disciples, be good examples to them in word and deed. Thank you so much for my brethren here who listen to the word, and I pray that they can apply it in their lives, and I pray you'd bless all of them this week as they go forth and make them productive in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.